calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Oh, jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Hey everyone, this is John Rocha, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode from the Geek Buddies. We're excited to be back again to talk about all the good stuff going on in the world of geekdom. Uh, We're going to jump into so many things here. We're going to talk about we're going to have a massive trailer park. Get into that Adam Warlock news as well in our main top oh and we'll get into the jonathan kent coming out as bisexual and everyone going crazy about it uh and our main topic is going to be our spoiler review let me say this again spoiler review of no time to die the new james bond film the last daniel craig entry in the james bond franchise but let's introduce ourselves go around the horn i am the outlaw john roca writer producer and host here on the outlaw nation and the geek buddies mike 
I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Shan? And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor, where you may have seen me on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and Silicon Valley. Nice, nice. And uh, for those of you who are new to the show, thank you very much for taking a chance with us. If you discovered us on the podcast, thank you very much for downloading and listening to us. And if you've been coming back every week, thank you even more for coming back every week and staying on this crazy Geek Buddy strain. We appreciate it. For those of you who are new, this is how it works. Each of us brings up a geek news item. We talk about it amongst ourselves, take a mini break, and then jump into our main topic. And our main topic will be that spoiler review for No Time to Die. Um, I think I start off this week. Is that correct? I think I you are so. correct, Mr. Rogan. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into this thing. Uh, let's start off with this story that Will Poulter has been cast as the legendary Adam Warlock here in the next installment of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. You guys remember that at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, we saw this tease from uh, Elizabeth Tebeki there as part as the head of the Sovereign said that there was an Adam, that that coffin-looking, whatever that is, was essentially housing someone named Adam. The speculation went insane on social media and all the nerd sites talking about Adam Warlock, that Warlock was Adam Warlock was coming back. And then we didn't see much of it. We didn't hear much more about it. And boom, now it's happening. And apparently this casting has been going on since the end of August. And they finally settled on Will Poulter. Some of you may remember him from Detroit, from The Revenant, from We're the Millers. Uh, he was just seen in the Underground Railroad on Amazon Prime. And he's currently on Hulu doing one of their shows, Dope Sick, I think is the name of the show there with Michael Keaton and other people there uh, as well. So, gentlemen, I turn it over to you. Do you, first of all, do you like the fact that they are going forward with the Adam Warlock character here in the Guardians of the Galaxy universe? And two, do you like the casting of Will Poulter? I mean, he's a great, he's a great young actor. I mean, as mm. you said, he's very, very funny. Like if you, if you've seen him in We're the Millers, he was also in a really, really great episode of Black Mirror as oh, well. Okay. And so, yeah, he's, he's an exciting, he's an exciting young actor. Um, most interestingly is like he was supposed to be in amazon's uh, lord of the rings their lord of the Rings series and yeah. he ended up having to pull out for uh for scheduling difficulties or at least that's yeah. what they said with scheduling difficulties i'll be more curious to see where they go with the storyline because as most of our fans know the marvel cinematic universe is not a direct adaptation of the marvel comics i mean they mm -hmm. kind of they they take them and they adapt them and they change them for the needs of this, of this you know gigantic story that they're telling Adam Warlock is uh, really tied into, uh, you know, Infinity Gauntlet. Um, at one point, you know, he has the Soul Stone. Yeah. He has sort of a Mr. Hyde version of himself that, is it Magus or Magus? I think it's Magus. Is it Magus? Okay. Mike? It's spelled M-A-G-U-S. What do you mean? I always, I always read it as Magus, but also okay. when I was a kid, I read the character Apocalypse as Apocalypsey, so I am not a good <laughs> source of information on that front. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. No, no matter the pronunciation, it'll be really interesting to see where they go with this. Now, I don't have I don't have this pulled up right now, but I do remember mm -hmm. James Gunn, there, there was like an interview where he almost sounded like he regretted introducing that that sort of cradle for adam at the end right. like yeah maybe maybe we shouldn't have done that um so it's going to be really interesting to see where they go with the character also remember this script that was originally written it has been changed yeah because in the in the uh, aftermath of him being dismissed from disney and then subsequently rehired by disney um you know they've they've had to change what that script was yeah. and i i'm curious if adam warlock had any 
any part of those changes as well. But across the board, the guy's a great actor. He'll be a great addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is fantastic, isn't it, Mike? I mean, if you look at the uh, the uh, Adam Warlock story in the comics here at Marvel, he's connected to the Fantastic Four. He's like he's created, done his own thing. He has a relationship with Gamora. He's fought Thanos and worked alongside Thanos. So like. There's a lot, and the Soul Stone is mixed into this as well. So there's a lot to play with that we've already seen in the previous phases. So it's an interesting character to bring into this new phase and be a part of this. Are we looking at three men vying for Gamora's hand? Is it Thor? Is it uh, Star-Lord? And is it Adam Warlock in this Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Because remember, she doesn't remember having the relationship with Peter anymore. This is a different Gamora. So are we opening the door for the dating game in the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Well, I mean, I think possibly, kind of to Shannon's point, I'm really curious to see how they use Adam Warlock because as Shannon kind of laid out really well, like a lot of what uh, people who like Adam Warlock as a character know about him is tied to Thanos and the Infinity Stones. And a lot of that is in a lot of ways off the table for the MCU. I mean, not that they can't bring that in and not that they can't relate it to him in some way, but I mean, we've kind of told our Infinity Stone story. Um, right. I'm not like the biggest, biggest Adam Warlock fan in the world, but I am the biggest James Gunn version of the Guardians of the Galaxy mm. fan in the world. True. And I think the idea that Adam Warlock is this character who was sort of introduced as this artificially created perfect human mm-hmm. when he came out, and the fact that the Sovereign, as we know from Guardians Volume 2, really see themselves as perfect and have created this perfect human, mm. I do think you're probably onto something in... Uh, I think that the heart of Guardians Volume 3 really is going to be that Gamora and Peter story, and that we have this Gamora from another universe who is not the Gamora that we know and not the Gamora that has this relationship with Peter. And so as soon as you introduce a character that is kind of set up to be the perfect human Mm -hmm. next to Peter Quill, who, by any stretch of anybody's measurements, is not a perfect human, um, (laughs) I do think think that sort of that comparison, uh, a Gamora who is this badass warrior who based on her reaction in Endgame, wasn't quite clear on why the other version of her had chosen this guy. Uh, I think that there's probably going to be a lot of that involved in the story. So I'm just really excited. I do think he's a great actor. Um, Mostly, I'm just really excited for Guardians Volume 3. Uh, I know that, you know, James Gunn has kind of said this is it for him, Mm -hmm. uh, that this is his Guardian story, that these three Guardians Volume 1, 2, and 3 are kind of going to be his take on the Guardians, and then he's going to go do whatever other amazing things he's going to do. And so I think it's going to pack a punch. I forget where I read this, but I think that uh, a couple of the uh, actors, maybe it was Bautista somebody, but said in reading the script that they're making now, like it like hit them hard, hit them in the feels. And Guardians Volume 2 already is one of those movies that is yeah. guaranteed to make me ball my face off in the last 10 minutes of that movie. So I, uh, I'm i just really stoked to see what they do with it. I think there's a gift in all three of those. I mean, in the first two films, so I wouldn't be surprised that there's emotional moments in the third film, right? I mean, the first film, when uh, Groot sacrifices himself to save the whole crew at the end there before, of course, he's brought back his little baby Groot, that's a very powerful moment, you know, and what he's doing. Because even Rocket Raccoon say, what are you doing? No, buddy, no. You know, all of that is heartbreaking. And then, as you said, when we get the Yondu moment in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, it's heartbreaking as well. Hell, even there are moments with Peter Quill and his dad that could be kind of touching uh, for sure. And when they're playing that uh, Cat Stevens song, it it can give you a little, you know, it can tug at the heartstrings a little bit. So no surprise. (laughs) They play catch. They play catch. (laughs) 
<laughs> in the galaxy. They play universe catch, for God's sakes. Oh, God. So, yeah. But I like Will Poulter. I, I really enjoyed him coming on. He's one of those actors that, you know, he just has an interesting look. And he's coming into his own as a man. You know, we, we saw him as a young, kind of skinnier kid. But you see in some of these more recent pictures, he's putting on the weight. He's lifting the weights. He's coming into his manhood and naturally. And I think he's going to. Uh, imbue this character with some interesting qualities and some damn good acting for sure. Plus, we've got almost kind of, th- I don't know where the age range is, but obviously he's younger, so he could even be needling both Thor and Star-Lord. You know, Thor could feel even threatened by this guy coming in as a perfect human because Thor thinks he's the greatest Avenger, so it could work on his ego in that way, which could lead to some really funny moments as well. Do we know for sure if Thor... Is still in because I know that. Well, I know that no. originally. Ah, good points. Uh, no, I thought he Thor, was. No, the is Guardians that... are going to be in Thor, oh, okay. but but the Thor is not necessarily going to be in Guardians Three. Okay, all right. all right. I think I think you are. Right. I think that originally, like when it was reversed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if Guardians Three Volume Three had picked up after Endgame, he would have been in it. But then I think yeah. when everything kind of got rearranged and reordered, that was one of that was another one of the reasons why the script changed. So right. I. I'm not saying we won't see Thor, and I would be right. perfectly thrilled to see an Adam Warlock, Peter Quill, Thor uh, situation. Right. Um, mainly because that would really make me laugh at Peter Quill. Okay. But I think that uh, I think that it's not 100% certain now. Just it really depends on what happens in Love and Thunder. Gotcha. Yeah, good point. All right. Well, if I got confused, I got confused. You can come after me in the comments. Um, all right, let's move on to our second story. Mr. Vogel, please. Well, uh, this one... Uh, I, I just have so many thoughts on this one, but uh, DC DC this week uh, revealed that uh, Jonathan Kent, the son of Clark Kent and Lois Lane, who is currently the Superman of the DC Universe after the events of Future State, uh, in the pages of Superman, Son of Kal-El, will be coming out as bisexual and hooking up with Jay Nakamura, who is uh, his hacker friend and Lois Lane fanboy. So they released this news. All the headlines said Superman is bisexual. It sent people into a tizzy, a tizzy. of epic proportions. <laughs> uh, uh, Fox News was having a field day. Dean Cain had a lot of opinions. Oh, God. Everybody's been talking a lot about Jonathan Kent being bi, or more specifically what it means to say that Superman is bi. Mm. And man, oh, man, uh, have I gotten into some discussions this week with some people. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, a big part of this is also tied into the fact that a few, maybe a month ago or so, I mean, we covered it here, Tim yeah. Drake, uh, Tim Drake, the second Robin, who is currently Red Robin in DC Comics, has also right. come out third Robin. Yeah, yes. Third Robin, sorry. I always skip over Jason Todd in my head. The third Robin uh, also has come out as bisexual. And the fact that two people in a universe have decided that they want to kiss boys and girls was a little too much for some people to handle and people have lost their damn minds. Uh, I clearly have opinions uh, on this, but my, my, my straight cisgender gentlemen and best friends, (laughs) how do you feel about uh, DC going bye, bye, bye? Johnny, take it away. Hey, listen, I think this is great, and I and I, I have no problem with it at all. And anybody who's got an issue with it is not living in the, living in the real world. There are bi people everywhere in every business, in every walk of life, in every 
culture, in every ethnicity, in every country on this fucking planet. So if you've got an issue with it, you've got an issue with humanity. And that's not a good thing. And the thing is, the right, and you, I watched some of the comments on the right, you know, Laura Ingram and all them nuts over there, using it to really uh, uh, launch a culture war as if this is some kind of terrible. Meanwhile, they know people who are bisexual. They have friends, possibly family members who are bisexual. So it's not a big deal. And as Michael pointed out, two bisexual people in a universe of millions is just so fucking small. And here's a, here's a clue for everybody who might have an issue with this. They are actually on the low percentage of representing our society of how many people are bisexual in our society. So there's probably way more. I mean, uh, you, you throw Loki into the Marvel Universe, you throw Wonder Woman uh, as being bisexual. There are many places you can go to explore bisexuality in in uh, both DC and Marvel and independent comics as well. So I find this to be much to do about nothing. I also think DC took the safer way out by not making Clark Kent Superman bisexual. They made it uh, the offspring of, of, of Clark and Lois. Am I correct on that, Mike? Is the offspring yes. Jonathan Kent? Yeah. So they, they they went that route. But at least they're going a route to put this out there. And clearly, if there wasn't a public that was receptive to it, who was buying comics and supporting this, they wouldn't go this route. There's still a business at the end of the day. And so that to me tells me that the people crying about it are a small, small minority in our in our actual pop culture. And the people who are supporting it and are for it are a larger part of the comic book buying public. And that's a good thing, you know? Those are my thoughts. Yeah, I, I, you know, I had a uh, I had a conversation with somebody at, at work, and they were asking me what I thought about it, and I'm like, "Why not?" Like, I think that I think yeah. it's again re- represent representation matters. Like we've been saying that for about o- over a year now. Like, it's yeah. important for people to see themselves on screen in the pages of their entertainment. And the response was, "Well, it seemed like uh, gay comic book fans and bisexual comic book fans." really gravitated towards the X-Men. Like, like mm. why can't why can't you just keep with X-Men? I'm like, well, they they uh, uh, they gravitated to the metaphor that is right. the X-Men. That is right. like this is a mutant. This is someone who who's an outsider who gets discriminated against. So I'm like, yes, that's that's great that they had some place to go, but go one step further. Like make it the actual make it what they are. Like mm-hmm. like as John said, like bisexual bisexual people exist. I mean they 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 are they are everywhere so why like this 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 is an important this is an important step and and again talking about the you know some of the more uh uh, further extreme right-wing opinions um i'm sure you guys saw this but uh this state senator from arizona named wendy rogers tweeted out this uh uh tweet yesterday or uh, the other day that said superman loves lewis lane l-o-u-i-s period hollywood is trying to make superman gay and he has not just renamed the version hollywood Yeah. Oh yeah. Hollywood. It was yeah, it was so frustrating that one like okay, you clearly don't know how to spell Lois. <laughs> um and then, you know, she just ended up getting dragged and like the other thing that I saw on Twitter that I thought was awesome was Tom Taylor, the writer who who uh is is writing the new Superman series, the mm. son of son of Kal-El. He he put up a uh, uh, four panels from I think it's the third issue and you just get to see John Kent as Superman and it's this great um uh just empathic moment mm. that superman has with this young i'm assuming it's an alien or or, or a meta um and superman or john just te- just tells him like you know what you're not gonna hurt me this is this is why things are happening it's like mm. like some sort of like pyrotechnic power or uh uh 
uh, not pyrotechnic, uh, <laughs> firepower. <Okay. laughs> um, but basically he just, you know, Superman being Superman, being the, you know, the man that his father and mother raised right. talks this, talks this kid down yeah. and saves the day. And it was just the coolest. And then reading some of the comments, some which were incredibly supportive saying like, well, I guess I got to go start buying Superman comics. And then you had some, you know, some assholes. And it, it always surprises me how much more energy it takes to be a dick um, yeah. than to just than to just not say anything. I mean, it's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I think two things, two things that come to mind. Uh, one, I was talking to somebody and they were like, well, why do you think DC did this so fast after Tim Drake? Like they already did it with Tim Drake. Now they're doing it with Jonathan Kent. As I already said, two people who have decided they would also like to kiss boys in addition to girls, I don't think is going to like upset the DC universe in a massive way. But also I said, from a business standpoint, I think it has a lot to do with uh, our good friends, Teddy and Billy over Mm. in the Marvel universe. I mean, Mm. where DC is sort of kind of finally opening up the gates, uh, thanks to young Avengers and thanks to Hulkling and Wiccan. I mean, Hulkling is currently the emperor of the Kree Scroll Alliance in the Marvel universe. And uh, Billy is his uh, wizard consort. I mean, they've really taken this, taken this gay couple and rocketed them to the tops of the Marvel universe and put them in a really central position. Uh, in addition to all the other great representation that Marvel has done. And, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the mutant mutants have gone from being a... Uh, a uh, representative of something that is different to half the mutants being gay or bi or non-binary. Mm. Logan and Jean and Scott are in a thruple now. Like, it's just like, Marvel's really taking these strides forward and Marvel's doing really well. And yeah. I think DC is realizing that as much as you have these people that are like, oh, it's older, white, straight people that are buying comics, we should really just appease them. That's not what Marvel's doing and it seems to be working for them. The other part, and this just drives me up a wall crazy. It happens when gay characters get introduced in a kids animated series. It happens in the comics. The yeah. dude on Laura Ingram who said, and I quote, I would rather heroes catch bad guys than venereal disease, yeah. uh, which was a real winner. Um, mm-hmm. They try and make this thing that the, the rights argument is always, why are they shoving sex in our faces? Why are they shoving sex in our faces? And it, as if they have forgotten that comic books, since they were created, mm-hmm. were epic soap operas. Right. Like Clark Kent being secretly in love with Lois Lane, Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne, uh, Oliver Queen and Black Canary. Um, you could just go down, Mary, you know, Peter Parker and Mary Jane, Peter mm-hmm. Parker and Gwen Stacy, uh, Scott being in love with Jean Grey, Logan secretly being in love with Jean Grey. Like adult relationships characters sleeping with each other characters falling in love with each other characters getting married characters having yeah. children characters like that has been such a part of comics as much as superpowers and epic crossovers and then as soon as a character dares to actually kiss somebody of the same gender mm-hmm. uh in a page of comics it all of a sudden turns into why are you shoving sex in our face as if gay people bi people trans people lesbian the, like as if they can't actually have romance in the same way that straight people do and that just always yeah. drives me crazy that somehow a gay person showing affection to another gay person uh, is is a dirty thing or a bad thing yeah. or a inherently sexual thing. But a straight person kissing somebody in a comic, well, that's just romantic. Right. And that always drives me crazy. It always pisses me off. And so, yeah, am I, um, am I happy that Superman is now bi? Am I happy that Red Robin is bi? 
Yeah, I'm thrilled about it. I would love to see more characters that uh, that represented me and my community. As much as I love all the characters that are straight and cisgender in comics that I also love and look mm -hmm. up to and think are amazing in different ways. So it's awesome, um, but people's response to it is not awesome and drives me crazy. What if you could just be human and not have to cater to a political, rabid, insane base? Imagine what a better our world would be if we didn't if we didn't have politicians or writers like that Raymond Arroyo joke uh, saying comments like he said. I mean, this is a guy who writes books based on a nun's travels. They aren't even about his point of view or his perception of the world. It's about this nun, and he uses her as the uh, a vehicle to spout his nonsense. So it's just so frustrating. Uh, on so many levels that we're getting this, these kind of people getting uh, um, airtime and then spewing their hate and people who are watching it at the house going, yeah, damn it. You know, you know, well, whatever accent you want to do, because they're all over the fucking country. Uh, damn it. That's right. They're trying to destroy Superman. He's an American, all that kind of nonsense. And it's like, dude, everywhere you go, what they're showing you is what reality is, what, hu what humanity is. And they're not even showing him. And by the way, this wouldn't be an issue at all for me, but they're not even showing him going on like what Gabriel Union said the other day. I went on a, a you know, a boy fuck fest after I got divorced because I wanted to explore some shit. Like she says that no one bats an eye, right? And if you see this thing, if you'd seen him, this character, Jonathan, like going off and going in multiple relationships, which he's totally allowed to do, hooking up with Grinder all over the place. He can do what he wants to do, but they're taking the safe route, putting him in a relationship, a committed, uh. that's the way to present it for a lot of these fools to accept, and they still have an issue with it. It's just so frustrating. There's no winning on that side of the fence with those people, but the truth is, we are the future, not them, and that's the truth going forward, and eventually that will bear itself out. And Again, I go back to this, business. If it didn't make money, they wouldn't do it. And Marvel, and Mike is great to point out that Marvel has rocketed them, as he said, those two characters there, because that is yielding returns financially and yielding positive responses from comic book fans. So, Just my two cents there. All right, uh, or four cents. All right. Uh... Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, my straight allies, let's give them a hand. Raymond Arroyo. Embarrassed Latinos, you motherfucker. All right, well, next up, uh, what do we got here? Uh, Shannon, trailer park? Oh, oh my gosh, we've got spooky trailers, trailers, trailers. It's Halloween month, and we have three incredibly scary looking trailers for three horror movies that are not coming out this month. They're coming out in December, January, and February, but it's Halloween. Let's talk about something scary. The first trailer up is the fifth chapter of the scream franchise so this one is bringing back nev campbell bringing back courtney cox bringing back david arquette and what i thought was really really cool is uh the directing duo from ready or not which is one of the mm. best movies of 2019 in my right. opinion of matt bettinelli open and tyler gillett are at the helm here so what we can kind of uh, uh glean from the trailer is uh, Ghostface is back, a new a new set of victims, and these are all related to the first set of victims that I believe we met in Scream 1. We get to see uh, uh, Ghostface back in all his glory, the, you know, the cell phone calls. I, I think this looks like a blast. Vogel and I have a very special connection when it comes to the Scream franchise oh. from our freshman year in college, um, which I believe we've told that story before. One of the um, best... 
one of the best things I ever did to scare the shit out of somebody. It was it was <laughs> one of my proudest moments. <laughs> so I will turn it over to you, gentlemen. What did we think of our first look? Not Scream 5, just mm. Scream. Mikey, go ahead since you have the special connection. I love the Scream movies. Yeah. Uh, I just think... I've always loved them. I think they're great. I think they're smart. I mean, I think that people have forgotten. uh, Like when I saw Scream in theaters when it came out, I thought I was just going in to see kind of a fun, scary movie and didn't know that I was going to get this like meta sort of uh, thesis on horror movies Mm. in a horror movie. And it really did like change the game. Like like after Scream, people in horror movies had to get a little bit smarter. Um, because we were so used to seeing the people do the stupid thing, but when you had the characters in Scream say, hey, don't do the stupid thing that people do in scary movies, it sort of sparked a whole new era of scary movies that kind of fell into that vibe. And it was really great. It was really fun. And watching this trailer just got all the nostalgia. I mean, we live in this era. I mean, Scream is doing the same thing that Force Awakens did, that all these other things. It's like, let's do a new generation of this movie franchise, but let's also have the characters from the original one show up. Mm. It's what Halloween is doing with Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, right. and I think it's great. I mean, for me, for, for everyone who grew up with these movies to be able to sort of uh, pass the baton to sort of have this new movie come in and say, Hey, here's the characters we loved. But if you're just coming on now for this movie, you'll, you'll need a little bit of backstory, but here's this new generation. I think it's great. Uh, I love the way that they kind of play with the conventions with the text messaging. uh, Why are you answering my, you know, why'd you call my landline? Because we do live in this new cell phone era that didn't necessarily exist when the first one came out. I'm just stoked. I mean, I can't wait to see this movie. Yeah, I totally expect this trailer to bore the shit out of me because I'm I'm not the biggest Scream fan, like to be honest with you. We are doing it. We announced it last week for the Cinephiles. That's our Halloween movie this year covering Scream. So it's I haven't watched it in twenty years, maybe. So uh, uh, it'll be interesting to go back in and into that one and watch <laughs> it for whatever reason. But I totally respect people who love the franchise. I totally respect people all about Kevin Williamson what he created there. Totally respect it. But I really like this trailer. I did not expect to like the trailer. I thought it was going to be stupid. A bunch of kids acting like fools. They're making it for $10. Total lie. It was actually a lot of fun. <laughs> like the cast a lot. I like the way they brought in Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox. And by the way, it's been a fucking crime that Nev Campbell hasn't been a bigger star, a bigger actress, a bigger uh, presence in our pop culture than she has been because she is the reason to watch those screen movies, in my opinion at any point and she's a damn good actress uh and to have her ending up as the rock's wife in one of his vehicles i was like come on she can do more so seeing her team up here with courtney cox who's looking great it looks fantastic and david arquette now we got dewey looking all haggard and he's lived through the world and stuff so i like that approach <laughs> to dewey he's, so it's good and jack quaid from the boys being in this excites me as well so it's a and, and it feels like this isn't some kind of like how can i say this this is some kind of, ooh, funny tongue-in-cheek. This feels a little more serious, a little more darker, and that makes me more excited and more interested as well. So, yeah, I'm down. Shannon, you better watch out. I'm going to try and top myself. Uh, <laughs> you better you better be ready. Be on, be on alert. Just like freshman year, you're going to get a call from Ghostface. <laughs> Just get ready. Oh, my God. Where oh my God. I live right now is very isolated. If you come to my house, I am going to flip out. <laughs> well, now you just, you just open up some real possibilities. <laughs> just look over the fence. 
I got some plans. I got some plans in the works. I don't like that. (laughs) Moving on to the next trailer. (laughs) So Scream comes out uh, January 14th. Our next trailer is the seventh entry in the Paranormal Activity franchise. This one is called Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. This one, I believe, is only going to be on uh, Paramount, uh, Paramount Plus. Yeah, Paramount Plus. So this one, as like they, they were keeping the plot under wraps, but it's you know another one of the found footage movies. Again, what we can get from the trailer is that the the lead of this film she discovers that um, she uh, like that she was probably adopted, mm-hmm. um, finds out who her actual relatives are, and it, her and a camera crew end up going out to uh, it looks like sort of a, a, an Amish family out in the country and terror pro, uh, proceeds to happen after the introduction of her to her uh to her blood family um i personally have never seen a paranormal activity movie i've watched the trailers and i'm like i can't i can't do it i'll i'll never i'll never sleep again so this one is going to be the same i probably won't watch it but the trailer i thought like oh this is a fantastic trailer if i was into horror i'd probably want to see this but gentlemen what did you think of paranormal activity next of kin Mike? Uh, I thought the trailer was cool. I definitely am interested in it. Uh, Amish people have never been scarier to me than they were in that trailer. <laughs> um, if you really want to freak me out, have a little boy whose voice has not dropped yet start singing some song over the f- mm. over, over scary footage, and I will lose my shit. Um, but I think that it seems like a lot for a paranormal activity movie. And by that, I mean what I love about the original paranormal activity is just its sheer simplicity. Mm-hmm. It was so scary in just the very, very basic nature of what you were looking at and how it's done. And to your point, by the time you get to the fifth movie in a franchise, you're trying to like come up with new takes on it, new twists on it. And so this seemed like uh, this felt less like a found footage movie to me and more just like, here's a horror movie about a girl who finds out that she was adopted and goes to this Amish, Amish mm. village. So we'll see. I mean, I will watch it because um, I like the Paranormal Activity movies. They all have freaked me out on some level. But I think that the Paranormal Activity and franchise in general works better when it's as simple as possible. And this trailer made me feel a little yeah. bit less that. Yeah. I'm more in your camp, Michael. It felt too polished for what was great about the paranormal activity films. Those, I mean, I, I, one memorable night we all had was going to see, well, not Shannon. I don't think this is what's ironic that Shannon's presenting these trailers because he hates scary movies. So I love this part of this show here, but I think Michael, you were with us when we went with Ross and Sarah and a bunch of our friends to go see a paranormal activity three or four in the theater at the Grove. And no one was in the theater. It was just us. We had bought eight to 10 tickets and we were freaking yep. out all over the theater, running up the aisles, <laughs> hiding behind chairs, climbing over stuff. It was a fun, fun night of watching it because the, when the Paranormal Activity movies hit, they hit so well. And have I closed closet doors at night just, just in case there's a demon coming out to drag me to fucking hell? Yes, I have. So they work. They work. But this one feels just a little too polished and and i get it maybe they're trying to appeal to the younger generation who likes the combo of uh, kind of the new and the old maybe that's the approach here but for me as an old school fan the paranormal activity movies i'm in mike's camp i like it less is more the less production value the less it looks like you're you're styling it up um uh, the better it'll be so we'll see what the end result's going to be and what the when i get a chance to watch this thing because i have paramount plus i'll also I do. Put a review out there. Yeah, I do think we just need to sit Shannon down 
and make him watch the first Paranormal Activity movie at some point. Why would you do that to him? He lives, I just think, as he said, in the backwoods of Burbank. In someday, he's going to be scared <laughs> out of his fucking mind. You can you can try to strap me down. <laughs> we got a clockwork orange him and keep his eyes open. <laughs> you might win, but you're going to remember it. <laughs> it's the revenge I worry about, not the accomplishment of the task. Uh, when's this one so, coming out, Shannon? Does it? Say? So I was actually wrong. This one actually is oh. going to be streaming on October 29th. So two two days wow. before Halloween. Nice. If you want to spend your Halloween night watching a new Paranormal Activity movie, go to Paramount Plus. And our last trailer, and this one is abject nightmare fuel is called the black phone so this one is starring ethan hawk comes from the uh pairing of scott derrickson and c robert cargill who you know did our first did the first doctor strange they also did sinister um this movie looks absolutely terrifying Mm -hmm. um you know we have we have a a uh, child killer it seems who abducts uh, a, a young man gets him locked in this basement where he finds a black phone he tries to pick it up to call for help. Ethan Hawke, in a horrifying series of masks, tell him the phone doesn't work. The phone starts to ring with uh, essentially advice from the killer's former victims who are now dead, who are now reaching out um, from the grave. This looks so freaking scary. Um, Ethan Hawke is a Ethan Hawke's a tremendous actor, mm. and I've never seen him play a role like this. And granted, the trailer is two, two and a half minutes, something like that. Um, what he is able to accomplish in terms of fear in that short amount of time is nothing short of astonishing. Gentlemen, what did you all think of the first look at the black phone? Uh, I loved it. I, I did a trailer reaction for it. I woke up that morning. I was like, this looks fun. Plus, Scott Derrickson is one of my favorite directors. And, um, you know, the Sinister, I remember Ian took me to see Sinister. That's that. I remember the, having that experience late at night at the Grommage uh, Theater at, uh, I think it was a 10 o'clock showing or whatever. Ooh. That's how unsettling that damn thing was. Um, he also took me to Ghost Ship, which was terrible. So, But Sinister <laughs> worked. Sinister worked. And I was like, this is actually cool. Ethan Hawke, I think, was damn good in that movie. So I was like, okay, this is nice to see them pairing together again and i think the exorcism of emily rose is one that can grow on people as the years have gone on i think it's actually a lot better film than it got credit for when it first came out so to see him going back to his horror roots i was excited to see what we had here i had no idea how much it was going to scare the crap out of me and unsettle me and spending two years in covid lockdown watching serial killer documentaries it kind of makes you all messed up when you see something like this plus ethan hawk the rebirth, the renaissance. No one talks about the Hawkinsons. The Hawkinsons has been great over the last few years, from first reformed to all these other projects he's on. He's going to be in a superhero film now after all that crap he said about Logan. And now you've got this situation. And I said immediately as I was watching it in my head, this guy could play the Joker. Just from watching that sequence with him, drops the stuff, and he's like, oh, no, I made a mistake. Help me out with that. I was like, this is scary. He's so thin, the white makeup. All of it, I could see him playing the Joker. So this is a great premise, and I think there's symbolism here. A kid growing up, in in essence, him going up the stairs. This is him ascending to a little bit of, uh, of maturity and understanding the world isn't just black and white. It's gray. It's full of horrors. How do you react to these horrors? How do past generations or past lives or past people who've been in your position, how do you learn from the things that they've gone through in order to survive these trials of, of of maturity. So there was a lot going on beyond just the horror, and I appreciated that. Mike? 
Uh, yeah, this was my favorite trailer out of the three for mm. sure. Uh, and I think what's great is like as much as I love uh, new chapters in a franchise, I love I love like passing the baton like with the screen movies. I also love when we get something brand new that looks mm. like it could be really lasting. And I think that. Uh, this trailer had two things going for it that were really, really great to me. One was Ethan Hawke. Uh, I, I echo what they, what my, what my friends here said. Uh, his performance was great, but also the look, the mask, mm. the top hat. It was iconic in the way that you want a scary monster movie villain to be. You know, there's a it's Freddy Krueger, it's Jason, it's Michael Myers. Like you want those characters, you want that look that you're like. This will strike fear into my heart, and I will see it every Halloween for the rest of my life. And that mask and that top hat, like just the vibe of him in general, I was like, oh, this this could be this could be a big one. This is really neat. But then the other thing that I really loved about this is, as we were talking about with Paranormal Activity, most ghost movies that we go and see uh, for scary movies, the ghosts are the issue. The ghosts are the thing that we're afraid of. The ghosts are the thing that we're trying to get rid of, or run away from, or avoid. And so to have a scary movie come out that has a strong supernatural element, but the supernatural element is actually trying to help you mm. against the very scary, very real human horror that is living that you are dealing with, that's a really cool twist to me. So uh, you know, but I, I love when there's something new. I love when I see something that I haven't really seen before, and to see a scary movie where the ghosts are actively helping you, uh, I thought was really really cool. So I'm super super excited to see this one. Yeah, in general, like as John said, I'm not a huge fan of huge fan of scary movies. But I do not, like you are you movie. are you are no you are you. I'm not a huge fan. You refuse to watch them. I will watch a like if it's a good movie. Like uh-huh. so, I've seen uh-huh. all of the Scream movies, mm-hmm. um, and and I enjoy the Scream movies. I think Scream One is a classic. Um, you know, I think The Ring is great. Oh, God, uh, the exorcism of Emily Rose, I thought, was a really, really. I mean, because at, at its heart, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a courtroom, a courtroom drama. Yes, with some, yes. with with some supernatural seasoning. Um, I can't go back to that one because I'm a guilty Southern Baptist. And I'm like, mm, this is the devil. <laughs> <laughs> but the Black Phone does look like a really, really good movie. So mm-hmm. of the three, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely see Scream. I want to burn on activity. Um, and, but I will go see, I will go see the Black Phone with you guys and you will not be able to pry me off of your shoulder for the following uh, three hours. <laughs> and God help you if you try to show up and prank me. <laughs> so the Black Phone comes out February 4th next year. That's you know sucks. Gonna... Come on now. On yeah. February on February sixth, you're gonna get there's someone get, ring your doorbell. You're gonna open the door, and there's just gonna be a black phone sitting on your front steps, and nobody there. <laughs> Knocker, beware. The funny part is, I literally just told you that I'm gonna do that, and when it happens, exactly how I just said it happens, mm. you're still gonna lose your shit. <laughs> And I'll climb through the kitchen window, and when you turn back around, I'll be wearing the mask. You guys, I mean, there's shit on the ceiling. This is, this is fun to talk about. If I go, in, you back me in a corner with fight or flight. Oh my god! A t- tornado of fists, feet, and teeth. Yeah, I get to see the neck punches. Uh, anyway. <laughs> All right, well, there you go. Those were some fun uh, Halloween, uh, pre-Halloween uh, trailers coming out here that uh, people get excited about. 
uh, horror coming in and musicals, both kind of ruling this year. It's very interesting to look at. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break here and get into our main topic again. It's the spoiler review for No Time to Die. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to get spoiled, thanks so much for watching the episode this far in and uh, tune in next week for another episode from us. But uh, if you want to soldier on, we'll be right back uh, right after this. You finally got the song right. I appreciate it. Anyway. All right, let's get into this thing. Spoiler review here for No Time to Die, the last entry in the James Bond franchise for Daniel Craig. We've been building through these five movies here, Spectre being a huge part of the villain aspects of the movies in multiple forms and multiple characters and relationships uh, and what have you. We start out the film basically with James Bond and uh, and uh, Leah Sadu are together. Uh, the, the actress, at least the character she's playing there. Uh, oh, God, what's her name again? Dr. Madeline. Dr. Madeline, Madeline Swan, right. Madeline Swan, they're together, uh, but uh, Bond is Bond is retired. He's not a double O anymore, and he's kind of having trouble adapting to retirement life. Some incidents happen, explosions when he goes back to Vesper Lynn's coffin or where she's buried, uh, and uh, this sets off a chain of events here of him questioning Madeline. We find out Madeline has this connection with uh, Remy Malik's character and what he did in the past or what happened to him thanks to madeline swan's father in the past so the in essence this all becomes bond being sucked back into being in service of mi6 along with uh, uh another double o there lashana lynch who's taking his spot uh there's a double o uh, uh money penny is back q is back uh, uh ray fines is back as m everybody's back here to try to stop rami malik who is essentially using nanobots to try to poison the entire world in order to achieve global superiority uh, and be in control of the entire world because of something that happened to him and his family when he was a young man. That's essentially the whole thing going on here. Uh, Mike and Shannon, overall thoughts on the movie? And of course, this is a spoiler review, so spoiler away if you feel like it. What are your overall thoughts on the movie? Well, it took you a lot less time to pitch out what happened in the movie than it did to actually have the movie tell you. That movie was long. <laughs> Right there, you go. It's two hours had, and forty three minutes. You're right about. I that. had I had to pee for the last forty minutes of that movie, and it was rough. You know, like when you're watching an emotional moment, you're like, "This is a very nice emotional moment. I really am feeling these emotions." Can you can you pick it up though? Because I got I got to go. I got to go. Right. Uh, I actually I actually enjoyed it. I actually really did have a good time. I think the movie has a lot of really really great moments. Some really breakout performances. Uh, I think it probably didn't have to be. Two hours and 40 That's fair. minutes. I think it probably could have done all the things that the movie did that I liked in a little bit less time. Um, but I, I really appreciated what they did with it. It kind of made me like Spectre more than I liked Spectre before. Uh, just because I think that... Although these the, the the Daniel Craig Bond movies are definitely more serialized than other Bond movies are, yeah, uh, with, with exception of Quantum of Solace, which is best the less said about that one, the better. Uh, Spectre for sure uh, and No Time to Die are just like super tied together. Like you really can't watch one and enjoy it without the other. Um, and I thought it was a nice ending for Daniel Craig. Uh, I thought it was a nice ending for his Bond. Mm. Um, you know, as we've talked about, and I've said in the past several weeks as we've been covering the trailers for No Time to Die, 
I'm not the hugest, hugest Bond guy. I think I like Bond more than Shannon does, but less than Roca does. Mm. And I did go back and rewatch all the Bond movies. Uh, but I still think at the end of the day, I feel the way that I feel about all Bond movies, where I don't have the investment in Bond as a character that I do with other movie franchises. So, spoiler alert, it's a spoiler review, the fact that this was Bond's final movie where Daniel Craig's Bond does die at the end, I was kind of mm. like, okay. Yeah. And it was more of a... I respect this ending, and I think this was a nice way to end it, but I didn't have a ton of investment emotionally in it. Mm. Okay. Shannon? Yeah, I did not grow up with Bond. I mean, mm. that was not the movie that, you know, my dad reared me on. I mean, I grew up with Star Wars and Indiana Jones. So if a Bond movie does not really uh, uh, check all the boxes for me, it's not the end of the world. I mean, when I walked out of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I was heartbroken. <laughs> Um, so going into this, you know, my girlfriend and I, we had, we had the intention of going back and watching all of the, all of the Daniel Craig Bond movies mm. because of how much more serialized they are. Um, we only <laughs> ended up getting to watch one, we watched Casino Royale, which is still a fantastic movie. Mm. We really picked the wrong one. We should have watched Spectre because mm. going in, we were both a little confused at times. Like, you know, what's that, what's that in Sydney? I'm like, oh, that's the. Spectre. That's the from last time. Um, I love Daniel Craig as an actor. Um, so watching him work is always great. There were some plot things that I didn't quite get, like mm. Rami Malek's character. I'm like, all right, how old are you supposed to be? Right. When you that's meet Madeline the first time, because yeah. you he, in real life, you're, you're only a few years older than she is. And it seems like this is a good 15 years after that initial meeting. And you still look great. I mean, right. uh, yeah, I mean, the action is great. That opening action sequence is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Watching that stunt double ride that dirt bike up those stone stairs over the wall, that is an incredible, incredible sequence. I mean, when, you, when you're advertising a film, that's the shot you show because it's like that is so, one, you, it sure looks real to me. That's what's going to get butts in seats. Um, when it comes down to, like, I, and I really do like Jeffrey Wright's uh, uh, Felix Leiter. Mm -hmm. and seeing yeah. what seeing so like sort of the the closed loop of his story as well loved Anna to Armas in it I mean she's so oh, much fun I've God. seen how people are kind of like oh she should have been in the whole thing I was like I don't I don't, I don't think that would have worked I think mm. she was there for this for this portion and she was fantastic right by the end calling it no time to do anything seems a little misleading because there was plenty of time to do a lot of stuff. By the end, I thought it was a really, again, not having seen all the Bond movies, I thought it was a really bold choice to kill him. I was like, wow, that's, hey, that's a great, that's a great hero's, that's a great hero's death there. Um, but ultimately by the end, it's just kind of like, yeah, I, I will be super curious who the new Bond is going to be. And ultimately my guess is I will probably feel the same way I have felt with the best Bond movies, like GoldenEye and Casino Royale, and like, yeah. or the best Bond movies that I've seen. Um, like, hey, that was a great movie. More than likely, I, I won't go back to it very much, but that was a great afternoon at the movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a really great time with it, but I'm also one of the people who likes Spectre, and I, I've, I've watched it over and over and over again. The, I, it's an old-school Bond in a new-school format. Does it always work 100%? No, but I liked the movie, so... So I went into No Time to Die already ready to you know, kind of like be impressed by this film. We'd waited so long to see it, and now finally it came out, and I thought it was worth it. But I agree with Michael. Was it a bit long? Yes, it did feel like there was. And the irony is, because the complaints 
I have about the movie are about the fact that we didn't get more time with Lucifer Saffin, that we didn't get to know a little bit more of his background. We get to know like what's been his procedure, how he was able to do the things. Exposition, when you're talking exposition, and I know that's a characteristic of the Bond films, but we're in 2021, man. If you you've got to find a adept and deft way to, or sorry, a more deft way rather to show exposition or to explain exposition or to kind of have this looking over newspaper clippings and having some conversation. That's not enough. You've got to go and see what happened. How, what was the effect? How did he get to do these things that he did? How did he become what he became? How did he learn all this stuff? Where does he go with this? And I know his father taught him, but like, where does he keep learning? Where does he keep doing this? I just would wanted more here because he ended up becoming like Robert Carlyle in the world is not enough, which is he's a disfigured, angry dude who wants to take over the world and has a relationship with the woman who is with Bond, just like uh, uh, Sophie yeah. Marceau had with him. So there were a lot of those same things that were uh, uh, having that were causing problems with me as I was watching the movie. But Daniel Craig is incredible. I think this is his best performance in any of the five Bond films, in terms of the emotional journey he's going on, the 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 uh, the things he's confronting, the things he's being called out on by Madeline Swan, and the things he's having to confront himself, being in essence pushed to the side or, or, or retired and having to come back and confronting the fact that, hey, this new world, he doesn't belong in this world anymore, which is why he makes the decision, in my opinion, at the end of the film, why he's comfortable making the decision as well. Did he die? Yes. But maybe not. The fact that we don't see him blow up, we see the facility blow up, it gives you that little out that maybe down the road as a cameo, he could come back, which I think is 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 smart. But overall, I really enjoyed the film, the pacing of the film. I enjoyed the fact that Vesper Lynn was still a part of this film in, yeah. in some way, shape, or form. And uh, I like the relationship between him and Madeline Swan, and I would have liked to see more. But I tell you what's a big miss for me is Christoph Waltz's Blofeld, though he's a fantastic actor, you don't get that thing that you're supposed to get between them. And I wish they had worked harder to establish that thing between them because it just feels like Daniel Craig and Christoph Waltz having fun as opposed to Blofeld and Bond. So, Yeah, I think that's concern. fair. I, I do think I, I agree with – so here's the things I, I really did like. Yeah, yeah, I did think it was long, um, and I'm not – like I said, I'm not like the super most invested in Bond. But I do think this is Daniel Craig's best performance, and I think Bond is written the most interesting in this yeah. movie. And I think it is because, you know, in, in Casino Royale, you had a character who was sort of like the new Bond proving himself. Uh, and and with, with his relationship with Vesper, you saw him start to open up and then get shut down. Mm -hmm. And opening this movie with a Bond who was ready to love again and mm -hmm. ready to trust and have that instantly taken away from him and seeing like the aftermath of that and where he ended up and what he did and seeing this movie be about Bond trying to like get back to that place and have yeah. him end in a place where he really did care more about uh, Madeline and his and Madeline's daughter uh, than he cared about his own life. Like I thought that was really, really lovely. I thought... Mm -hmm. Every woman in this movie was a rock star. Uh, yes. I, th I thought Madeline was great, but more, I think Anna de Armas was so great mm. and such like a breath of fresh air and just a new take on a woman in a Bond movie that was just a little quirky, a little bit weird, had Phoebe Waller-Bridge written all over her uh, in all the best ways. Uh, I've always liked Naomi Harris as, as Money Penny. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought Lashana Lynch was really, really fun. I would have liked to have seen her do more. Agreed. Um, I think at the end of the movie, she sort of just became 
sidekick to Bond a little yeah, bit uh, yeah. for the for the third act, and I really wish she had had more to do. But for everything she had to do in it, and the back and forth between her and Bond, particularly at the beginning of the movie, I thought was really really delightful. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Wright is always wonderful. I think uh, Felix is a great addition. Uh, to the Bond story uh, and the relationship that he and Bond have is really good. Like with doing a little, very little uh, on screen, the yeah. two of them bring such a history together. Like you feel like these two know each other more than what has been warranted given what we've seen on screen. And I think that's really, really good. So mm-hmm. I think the performances throughout this movie were great. I think that the Bond, this these five movies, the Bond movies, well, four, no, not Quantum of Solace. Screw you, Quantum of Solace. But I think they've really made me love the ensemble of a Bond movie more than I did before. Like, there's yeah. always been an M, there's been a Q, there's been a Money Penny. Those characters always existed, but I'm very, very invested in this version of those characters yeah. in a really big way that I wasn't before. Like, I really, really do like them a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think I really liked how they played with the whole bond having a kid or not like i think that mm. like I, I i think they did a really nice job of the audience going on the same journey that bond did is that when you get to the house that madeline is in and bond sees this little girl with these very very bright blue eyes <laughs> he makes an assumption and the audience makes the assumption and then madeline shuts it down right away and just says she's not your daughter and so then you're like okay they're not doing that they're trying to trick me but like what is this and then at the end they're like nope it is and I think that the way that they took the audience on that journey with Bond was great. And then I do think that um, using the uh, the nanotechnology storyline to put Bond in that impossible position. Um, right. I agree that I agree that Rami Malek's character kind of to me felt a little sort of like stock Bond mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. You got a deformity. You want to take over the world. Cool, 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 cool. Seen but, it. Yeah. Seen it, done it. But using the nanotechnology oh, yeah. storyline and the fact that these nanobots, once they are in your system, there is nothing that you can possibly do. They're there forever to say that Bond's existence puts Madeline and his daughter in danger and that helping him make the decision that he makes at the end, I think made that's what made his death at the end of the movie noble and mm-hmm. not just, okay, Bond, did, it wasn't, it wasn't, I think Bond sacrificing his life at the end of this movie, at the end of this five movie run to save the world would have been like, yeah, okay, Bond, Bond sacrificed himself so the world could live. Right. That doesn't really hit as hard as Bond sacrificed himself for these two specific women that he loves yeah. more than anything, I think hits a lot stronger. And for the character that is the ultimate macho character who has gone around sleeping with women for 60 years yeah. to make this sacrifice for a woman he loves and a daughter, I think is really a nice place to end this run of the Bond franchise. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and, and to the ensemble point that Vogel had made, yeah. I mean, Lashana Lynch, who I, I did not think was used well in Captain Marvel. Criminally um, underused in Captain Marvel. I mean, just shocking. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then watching her in this, like, oh my gosh, she is such an absolute badass. And depending on what they decide to do with the franchise going forward, I'm like, God, I hope I hope she's used in mm. some capacity. I hope she gets to stick around because she is just such, this. the character that she presented was just so fascinating and so much mm-hmm. fun to watch and like i do agree about rami malik's character that his connection to madeline i'm like okay so you saved her and so you connect all right, right. <laughs> i mean yeah. i was more interested in the logan ash character i'm like oh you're a bond fanboy mm-hmm. like i wish i wish more could have been done with this um 
even though like obviously don't tack any more time onto it um but yeah. this this guy who was responsible for one of the people that bond is closest with in life he's responsible for that guy's death yeah i mean th- i think that could have been a much more interesting um that's a really face off point. at the end yeah yeah that's, I, that's I agree a really really good point and, and I wonder why Thomas Magnuson is taking these roles. Like, I'm a little concerned. Like, if I was a friend of his, I would be like, dude, we got to talk to your agent because you're taking these really small roles in these films and your those roles can be much bigger. Like, he's Paulie Walnuts in Many Saints of Newark and he does not stand out in any way, shape. They don't give him a scene to do. Even him and Silvio, the guy playing Silvio, don't get a scene together. It's like, why the fuck do you take the job? And then this too, like, you're in and out like you're in you present as a fanboy then he gets his revenge that's it when you could have been a really more malicious character a more evil character that could have survived and served to be a, a foil for the next bond that could be really interesting now, and be mad because you're not this bond you I'm think you're that bond you're not that bond that bond was better than you i hate you i'm gonna kill you that could now worked. i'm just picturing now i'm just picturing john roga getting a call where they say hey john <laughs> hey john we want you to be in the next bond film and john says let me read the script first. Let me, whoa. <laughs> I'm having fun doing YouTube shows. What's the role? <laughs> I'm, not I really, mean, I'm not Thomas. I'm not Magnuson. Like Magnuson coming fair. out no, of Aladdin. They wanted to spin him off to be the lead of his own film. So, like, you've got cachet, you know. And his HBO Max show that Made for Love. I oh, mean, he's, he was great in a, that. He's a really great actor. I mean, yeah. I, I honestly think it's more they asked, like, do you want to be in a Bond movie? Uh, and there probably. wasn't, like, yes, yes, absolutely. Like, yeah. I'll do whatever. And they they kind of gave him uh, I, whatever. Yeah, he did great work. I'm just saying I would have liked it to be oh, a yeah. bigger role. Yeah. Off of Mike. what Shannon said, I'm going to say something that every James Bond fan your head's about to explode and you're going to say, Vogel, you're crazy. So I understand <laughs> what I'm about to say is crazy. Jonathan I, I'm Kent da- as James I, Bond. Jonathan Kent <laughs> as a bisexual James Bond is what I want and I, I will have it. No, no, no. I I was going to say that, like, I, I'm as curious as anybody about who the next Bond is going to be mm. and who's going to fill these shoes and what the next generation of James Bond movies is going to be. But I thought Lashana Lynch did such a good job. And as yeah. I said, I like this ensemble cast so much yeah. that I would not even remotely be mad if they said, we're we're going to do a 007 franchise. It's not James Bond. It's 007, and it's her and the rest, oh. and the rest of it. Like, I would be super happy to see Ray Fiennes and uh, yeah. the, the entire team and Lashana Lynch, and I, I, just to see her be a badass for another movie or two. Right. Like, I don't know that I think that would replace James Bond. I think we will always want in movies to have a James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was really taken by them as an ensemble. Yep. Uh, and Q as a little man with a hairless cat that just wanted to have a boyfriend come over, but it got interrupted, which I thought was also delightful. So, <laughs> Yeah, and there was some nice intrigue with M. Like the decisions he made to kind of keep this under wraps, this program, and he wanted to use it for, I mean, British intelligence, if they got their hands on that, the power dynamic would absolutely shift in the world, including with the United States. So the fact that he was going this route would have been a very interesting thing to explore going forward uh, for sure. Yeah, and I think you may, that's a really good, I mean, Ray Fiennes, obviously is Ray Fiennes, so he's amazing. Mm. But I think that, I think that for so long, and again, I am not, the most hardcore Bond person. So any person who's a big Bond fan could totally tell me to 
shut the fuck up and blow it out my ass. I might be wrong, but I've always felt like is the Kalinowski roles of like getting ready. Yeah, go ahead. I really was just thinking of Kalinowski. I literally, I was thinking of Kalinowski in my head when I said it. I wasn't gonna say Kalinowski, but you don't said you say it, it champ. So. Don't you say it? Yeah. But, Kalinowski's winding up as yeah. we speak. But I think that the way that I have always perceived it, the way that I always perceived it is. M, Q, Money Penny, any of these characters were always there to sort of be in service of the Bond story. Right. That they were there to sort of move the pieces around to either be a help or an impediment to Bond, but it was always all about James Bond. And I really do think, like, everything you just said about Ray Fiennes and M, I, I didn't really think about it in the way until you said it, but the fact that he did what he did and was conflicted about it and had this moment where he was trying to explain it but then saw how it went wrong like i think that's what i'm saying is that all of these characters in the daniel craig movies have come to life for me in a way that they didn't before and so i would just love i could continue to see them uh grow and develop as even more dimensional characters and be certain and 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 be super into it yeah so well and this isn't the first time like i think it was uh die another day that halle berry was in right Yes. That they had talked about spinning her off, oh, giving right. her yeah. her own her own uh, franchise as well. And like, I don't necessarily think that would have been the best idea. I mean, I thought mm-hmm. Die Another Day, and she was not great in it. Um, but the idea of continuing the the ensemble, as you said, the Lashana Lynch, Ray Fiennes ensemble, I think that would that would be really really interesting. Yeah. Any 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 guesses on who the next Bond will be? <sighs> I mean. Someone's not Superman anymore. So, but although I, I, though I joked about it, um, a bisexual bond would be fucking ballsy as hell. And I would love to see it that he slept with men and with women all over Europe. That's a way to kind of counter the, all he does is sleep with women all the time or misogynist approaches. The fact that he would be able to do both sides, it kind of blunts that argument a little bit. It would be interesting to explore the audience's reaction to it. Of course, the Broccoli's would never do that. But I think once they pass that thing on down the road, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we have a, a, a bisexual bond or a gender fluid bond. That could be very interesting as well. Like I, I'm all for non-binary. I'm all for it. Like, let's explore. Let's have fun with these characters. So why not? You know, I hope it's not Henry Cavill. I think it's like, it's impossible <laughs> to say like, I just, I mean, I, I'm, you, I'm in the, I'm in the Idris Elba camp, but I think it won't be that either. I think that yeah, he's too old. Yeah. No, exactly. I think that, yeah. uh, no offense. Nobody would have ever. Nobody would have ever guessed on a Daniel Craig. Like That's I think true. Shannon and Very I. True. Shannon and I went to go see Lair Cake when it Lair came Cake. out. Was, yeah. yeah. We, because, yeah and and the Cake. only reason we went to yeah. see Lair Cake was, oh hey, that dude who they just cast as James Bond is in this movie. Yeah. Let's check him out. So to that point, like it's not gonna be. Any of the names that get tossed around, I highly yeah. doubt. It's gonna be. There's this up and comer. Uh, Oh, let's all go check them out. Uh, that's the new Bond, and I think that uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm with you. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily need Bond to be bi or gender fluid or pansexual or anything or or black or white or male or female. Like, I don't have a strong opinion on. I really want it to be different for different mm. sake. But I do think, just like with Daniel Craig. If we're gonna go to another Bond, I think the th- the thing with Bond now is not just continuing the legacy; it's right. continuing the it's continuing the legacy and adding something new to it. And I really right. hope that that's what they do next, because I do think that 
although Daniel Craig was a white cisgender James Bond, the way they handled Bond in these movies, yeah. even making them more serialized, giving him the arc that he did uh, yeah. in his in his trust of women, his love of women, it's a new color on Bond that we haven't right. seen before, and I hope that they continue in that moving forward. Well, we did see before on Her Majesty's Secret Service, but that was a one-off in 1969 with George Lazenby right. not going forward. So the fact that they went back to it for this one, Mike, I agree with you, we had not seen that color uh, uh, often in the Bond thing, so to have them do that with Daniel Craig was great. Um, I interviewed James Norton last year, I think, for the for my channel, and he's one of the people that they've talked about. He's an up and comer, has done some stuff. He was in the, the the show that was on HBO. God, I can't remember that superhero show that was on HBO, and then uh, and and did McMafia. So he's a guy they've looked at. He's kind of not that well known here in the states. So it could be an interesting way to go with a lot of it, you start to think about British people or you know Scottish or Irish or whatever who are not that well known who've played are building up. It could. I mean, Taron Egerton could possibly be in play. There's a lot of people. Henry Golding's been mentioned. There's a lot of people. What do you think, Shannon? I mean, had the guy from Bridgerton not signed on oh to the Saints, I would have said him. Oh, God. I mean, I'm like, oh, like God. That's, that's the guy right Dude, there. Yes. I mean, that would have been perfect. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, but I mean, all the people that they're throwing I mean, out, the, the Tom Hardys, the Michael Fassbenders, yeah. I'm like, nah, no, it's not going to be. No. It's not going to be one of these guys. I think I think they're all. I think they're both a little too long in the tooth, and I think they will want to go with someone who, someone who is a, uh, a more of an up and comer, as you guys had mentioned. They've always done that. Connery wasn't that well known when he took it. Dalton wasn't that well known when he took it. Pierce TV well known, not yeah. on camp, not theatrically well known. Uh, all of them. Uh, uh, that w- Roger Moore, same thing. Not that well known. And certainly the saint, but again, TV, he had not been on this theatrically that well. And same thing with Daniel Craig. So that's the pattern. So follow the pattern. They're they're not going to go to Tom Hardy or any of the big names. That's for sure. <laughs> Tom, like if you thought Daniel Craig was a bruiser, can you imagine Tom Hardy as Bond? <laughs> I, I mean, just a block of granite. <laughs> Gemma Chan would have been interesting too, I think. Gemma, oh. Gemma Chan, I mean, coming out of what I've seen already, some more of the Eternals clips that they've played, I'm like, this is a woman that's about to blow up. So it's like, if you, it could be, it could have been an interesting way to go that route as well. So, you know, there's a lot of possibilities uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, do, do we think we've seen the last of Leah Sadu's Madeline Swan in the series? One last yes. question. You do? Okay. Yeah. All right. I think so. Yeah. I think that, I think that her story. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how that character, particularly that character having Daniel Craig's Bond's baby. Like unless yeah. <laughs> unless they really did do a spin-off with Right, they Lashana don't usually connect the whole team. Yeah, yeah like, I don't think like if there was a spin-off and the fact that she has Bond's kid and that there's 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 story that's there, there's plot that's there, there's there's reason to have her be in it, but if we're just going to go into a new generation of Bond, I don't think so. Okay. I'd love it if 20 years down the road, the kid comes back as a villain of Bond. That would be fantastic. Going after MI6. <laughs> like Bardem. Um, all right. Well, there you go. That's our spoiler review for uh, No Time to Die. Thank you all so much for watching that and watching this entire episode of The Geek Buddies. If you've been with us for the whole episode, we appreciate it madly. Uh, it is out in theaters. Go take a look. It's doing well at the box office internationally, at least, and uh, certainly doing good here. Not great, but good here in the States. Go and see it. Enjoy it. It definitely should be enjoyed on a big screen. There's some fantastic action sequences and moments that you thoroughly enjoy. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell? Pee right before the movie starts. Just pee, like, (laughs) opening credits, just run out the door, pee real quick. You might make it. 
If you can, yeah. if you can avoid snacks in this one, maybe avoid snacks. Popcorn will make you thirsty. Water will make you pee. Fair enough. And when they go to Cuba, do not leave the theater until after the Cuba scene, or you will miss Anadarmus. Uh, so Fair. do not do that. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, Shannon is very scared of scary movies. I am scared of not being able to do more Geek Buddies. And I love it, and I want to keep doing it. And here is how you can help me do that so that I don't have to go to bed worried about ever seeing these two again. I want to see them every day for the rest of my life. Uh, you can hit the like button below. You can subscribe to John's Outlaw Nation page. You can leave us some comments below. Not every day you don't, you liar. But yes, so, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> uh, leave us some comments below. Let us know what you thought. Uh, what do you think of the trailers? What do you think of Adam Warlock? What did you think of No Time to Die? What do you think of Jonathan Kent making out with the fellas as well as the ladies? Let us know your thoughts below. Uh, we love to hear from you guys. We love to engage with you guys. We love to get into debates and conversations. Uh, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere the podcasts are available, go ahead and take a second and leave us some stars. Leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, say, if you listen to Geek Buddies, you should hang out with these guys for an hour. We all have a real, real good time, and we would very much appreciate it. There you go. All right. Well, there you go. That's all of us and everything we've got to say for you all. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here from the Geek Buddies. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.